Bell's mustache. Ian. Us. And DMs are open, by the way, for Parker's back leg bits. He said you absolutely drop your candy into the popcorn bucket at a theater. Goobers in particular. So there you go. Worst thing I've ever heard. I like butter, popcorn, get serious, have a big giant drink. I don't even have to pick the drink. I just lean that over my lips so I'm not missing anything. And That's it. You know what I'm saying? Next yeah, time you go yeah, to a theater. You get, you get like a special surprise. You don't, you don't know really when you're going to pick up the candy. You don't know when you got that in your hand. Salt and sweet, a little chocolate in there. Next time you go to a theater, try it. You'll be surprised how much you like it. No. Right. That's your thing. Sounds like We're giving you a chance to win. Clearly, there are other people who feel that way. We're giving you the chance to win Blue Jays tickets all people. season long here in Blair and Barker. Whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question. Text it to 59590. Yesterday, we asked you in the famous 2004 ALCS Game 4 between the Red Sox and Yankees, the Dave Roberts game, which former Blue Jay drew a walk in the ninth and was replaced by Dave Roberts, who would steal second and score the tying run in the bottom of the ninth? The answer was Kevin Millar. I think you look like Kevin Millar. Watch your mouth. I've always told you, I think you look like Kevin Millar. You're off the Christmas card list. You know that 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 big uh, bucket of stuff I used, used to get you for Christmas? No more? No. Well, no, I think you do. There's a certain resemblance. Anyhow, today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Red Sox at the Rogers Center on June 28th. I just do. Which player stole 70 bases in a season with the Red Sox? <laughs> I got this right. I would have got did. this right away. I got it right this away. This guy's stealing money right now as we speak. I do think. Which player stole? <laughs> I think he's stealing money still. Am I? <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. That's a good way to put it. Uh, stealing bases, stealing money. Yeah. Which player stole 70 bases in a That's single a season on the Red Sox? I just gave it away. Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca uh, slash 590. I wonder if Dan Schulman knows the answer oh, to that. Oh, he does. Oh, he does. How you doing, Dan? I'm good. Can I take a guess? I don't know if I know it, but I could take a guess. Sure, go no, for I don't. It. Well, then, uh, well, yeah, why not? Then, then the people are going to, you know. Oh, well, I don't have to. Go ahead. No, no go I ahead. It'll just be between us girls. Um, go ahead. Jacoby Ellsbury? Nailed it. Now, would you have got Woo. that without the assistance of the still stealing but stealing <laughs> money instead of bases? Would you still have gotten I it? I didn't. I didn't hear that. Did Barker say that? Barker, I didn't hear that part. Absolutely. Barker I said, said that. he's still stealing. It's just money, not bases. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that, that was an excellent hint. That, that <laughs> was, that I'm was just very jealous. good. Dan, I'm just jealous. That's all. That's why I said that. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, Jays are obviously they're playing this afternoon, and and you'll have the call of the game, and then the Yankees are coming in. The Yankees are coming into town. Uh, how 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 good do you feel about where this team is right now, uh, Dan? Knowing that the Yankees are just around the corner, and then you've got you know you've got that run of games against the Red Sox and the uh, and the Rays coming up as well. Yeah, they're certainly better than a couple of weeks ago. I think they're playing better. And again, some of this is who you play, not just how you're playing. And obviously, they're in a softer part of their schedule right now. But that having been said, I still think overall, they're playing better. Like Jose Barrios is clearly better now than he was three, four weeks ago. The offense, again, the weaker pitching staffs notwithstanding, clearly more guys are swinging the bat well and feeling good about themselves 
than they were three, four weeks ago. So uh, I think they're in a pretty good place. Uh, I like, I think they're in a pretty good place on the field. I think they're in a pretty good place in the standings. That having been said, I, I think they're going to need to get better later on this season. And whether that's an arm or two internally or externally in the bullpen, you know, what does, what do Kikuchi's next few start spring? Like they still have some outlying questions, but all in all, I, I, you know, I think there's more going well than not well for this team right now. How much confidence do you think Charlie has in you say Kikuchi? I think he kind of answered it after the game. Um, uh, whenever it was two, three days ago, it's kind of the same thing as before or same old thing. I can't remember exactly mm-hmm. the words. He said too many non-competitive pitches or something to that. He, he kind of laid it out there. I don't think, you know, it's funny, Charlie, as you guys know, is an, he's a player's manager. He's a supportive guy. He's much more of a pat on the back than kicking the butt kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain guys where I think there comes a point where he, not that he's had enough, but he's not going to, you know, take the hit for them anymore. And I think Kikuchi's kind of gotten there. You know, it's, it's a different story, but it's like when somebody asked Charlie about Nate Pearson, which happens at least four days a week in his media scrubs. And, and Charlie always finishes his answers with, but he's got to earn it. Like, I think there are some guys where they're at the point where they got to see the results. And I think they got to see the results from Kikuchi and Sunday against the Yankees is no uh, easy task for him. Although he's pitched well against them a couple of times this year, but they got They've got to figure this out. I, I mean, you, you want to at least be competitive uh, in every spot in your rotation. And more often than not, unfortunately, they haven't been in his spot. Dan, I got to feel, I got to be careful how I say this, but when, when I watch you say Kikuchi and, and you look at his age, he's 30 years old, he's got three years in the big leagues. That's awfully older pitcher to have the issues with fastball command and timid in occasion wanting to throw it. And I scroll back to around to, I got to be careful of saying this, but I, I do want to ask the question. Do you think he looks like sometimes the moment's too big for him? I think he looks like somebody who doesn't have as much confidence as you'd like a big league pitcher to there have. There it is. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know if now that you, what you said and what I said, they're not the same. There may be a connection mm-hmm. between the two. One sure. can lead to the other. But, um, I mean, he told me through his interpreter when I spoke to him my, probably a month ago now, I sat down with him and said, can I just get some background info? I haven't had a chance to speak with you. And he said when he got here, he didn't have a, as much confidence in his fastball as he would like to have, and Pete was helping him with that. Now, that was when, you know, say two starts into the resurgence of Yusei Kikuchi. Um, But I still don't think he has enough confidence in his fastball. And I'm not saying if he throws 80% fastballs, he's going to be great. Obviously, there's a balance you have to find. Um, But when he gives up a hard-hit ball on his fastball, I think it it knocks him on his heels a little bit. And, and, um, you know, whether it's the sequencing or – predictability or just a lack of conviction in his pitches, there's something lacking. Because if you took that stuff that he has, he should be a successful pitcher. Maybe not an all-star, but he should be a successful pitcher. But I, I'm, you know, look at how often he threw his fastball last year, and it's really ebbed and flowed this year. Um, there are some starts where he's at 60%, some starts where he's at 35 or 40%. And, and I, I think it specifically has to do with his fastball. I think when he gets rocked a little bit, his comfort zone, his safe place is throw my slider. Mm-hmm. Last year it was the cutter. He doesn't have the cutter anymore. Now I think it's throw my slider. And it can be a good pitch for him, but I, I still think he needs to have a little bit more confidence in the fastball. Which 
at bat did you have a bigger issue with last night? Or which approach to an at bat did you have a bigger issue with last night? Jimmy Garcia, Jimmy Garcia, pardon me, against Ryan Mountcastle or Felix Batista against Vladdy in extra innings? Which, which, which decision or which execution, whatever you want to describe it, what, what did you have a bigger issue with of those two? Are we... Are we including like Brandon Hyde's role in the decision with yes. Vladdy and Bautista? Yes. Oh, then that's the that's a ten out of ten slam dunk. Okay. So like I, I I don't understand it at all. And I mean Tabby and I I don't know if you guys had radio or TV on, but Tabby and I talked about it. Vladdy came up, and Rutschman's looking into the dugout, like just staring mm-hmm. into the dugout. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was something like Rutschman staring into the dugout, and I said. I don't think they're going to walk him. It doesn't look like they're going to walk him. And I said, I'm surprised. Then I said to Tabby, are you surprised? And then a pitch came in, and then he said, I'm surprised. And then I said again, I'm surprised too, and then Vladdy won the game. Um, I actually wish I'd said it a little stronger, but in the moment I was like, am I missing something here? Mm -hmm. So Hmm. if, if the Orioles had scored a run, so now Bo's the tying run and Vladdy's the winning run, Mm-hmm. I'm willing to entertain the conversation. Okay. But Vladdy's run doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Vladdy's hitting the tar out of the ball right now, right? I mean, he is. And I know Kirk is behind him as well. But I don't, they're not for a million dollars do I pitch to Vladdy in that situation. Because you know what? There's a chance Kirk's going to hit the ball on the ground. And if Kirk hits the ball on the ground, it's runner at third, two down, and Tay Oscar coming up. And, and I didn't understand it at all. I like, baffling is is where i'm going on that decision Dan, i don't want to ask you if you think they want to have three catchers on the roster but i want to ask you if you think they have to have three three catchers on the roster that's a great question i am you know there's short there's short term and then longer term there's before danny jansen's healthy and after danny jansen's healthy so Monday is the day, unless they change the rule, as I'm sure you guys have discussed, Mm -hmm. when they've got to go up to 13 position players, right? They've got to add a position player. If it's not, let's say it's Zach Collins, short term, so Jansen's healthy. If it's not Zach Collins, who else are you guys, who are are we bringing up from Buffalo? What other position player is there that can give them something they don't already have? Like they've got a left-hand hitting outfielder, Nathan Lucas, who's never played in the majors. But he has hit consistently for multiple years at AAA, and he hasn't gotten called up yet. He's not on the 40-man roster. You know, I think he could do some things, but you can't have Lucas and Zimmer and Tapia all on the roster at the same time. doesn't make any sense. On the infield front, we've seen a little bit of Vinny Capra. We know a little bit more about Jordan Groshans. But I don't know. I guess my point is I don't know who else is, like, banging down the door Mm-hmm. to get up and give this team something that they don't already have. I think Zach Collins makes sense because then I think Charlie can be a little bit more aggressive in pinch hitting and pinch running. And maybe pinch running is the more important thing. Like if Kirk is DHing and Moreno is catching and Kirk gets on in the eighth inning and you're down a run, you take him out and you run for him. You can't do that as easily with just two. So I, I think it makes sense to bring Zach Collins up. When, when Danny Jansen's healthy, I think it still probably makes sense, but it's tricky. We were having this game like, okay, how does it work? So I came up with, like, just spitballing like we all do because we've got time to fill. <laughs> and I came up with Jansen catches two out of five, Moreno catches two out of five, Kirk catches one out of five, and then Kirk DHs like three of the other four. Mm-hmm. 
it's not it's not perfect. Like if Moreno's that good, you want him to catch more. Danny Jansen's really good. You want him to catch more. But I think because this is a go for it winning kind of year, even if it's not perfect, I think they might go for it. Again, because I don't know well know who else is banging down the door to come from Buffalo and give them something else they don't have. Yeah, no, it, it is. It, it, and I've heard you guys have that discussion. It, it's an interesting thought. To, to me, it's almost a no-brainer that uh, you carry that you carry that third catcher because I want to maximize my opportunity to win games. And based on what we've seen this year, the number of times where we've looked at things and said, and I'll give Charlie credit. He's been a great, he's done things at times I may not have because I don't have a third catcher there. But the number of times you look and you kind of say to yourself, boy, if they had a third catcher, I'd feel a lot better about what is going on here. I, to me, yeah. it just outweighs whatever benefit, you know, Nathan Lucas or, or, or I mean, I don't know where Jordan Groshans would play. It, it, out, it outweighs whatever benefit, right. whatever benefit they, they give me. And you're right. You can do that temporarily with Zach Collins. And then if you have to reset, you have to reset at some point. I also yeah, like Zach the fact. Collins, it, yeah, sorry. Zach Collins isn't going to catch two out of five exactly. like Danny Jansen would, right? So exactly. Zach Collins is there more. You know, he might catch occasionally. He might DH occasionally mm-hmm. if there's a guy, you know, an opposing pitcher who's got big splits and you want to sit a righty or something like that. But most of the value probably would be the freedom it gives Charlie with the other two guys. And and I think there is value there. There have been a few times, like you say, where if something goes wrong, they got a problem. But I actually like that they're being aggressive yep. in this. I've always thought the what if my catcher gets hurt or what if I lose my DH I've always thought that's a little bit overstated because how often does that happen? If it happens once a season, it happens once a season. So uh, I like the way that they're playing it right now, but I think it would give them a little bit more maneuverability if they had a third. Dan, do you think Matt Chapman has turned the corner offensively? You know, it's funny. I had a long talk with Matt yesterday outside the dugout um, about the ball he thought uh, that almost went out two nights ago, right? He hit a home run and then he hit a what I thought was a monster shot to center field didn't go out. And to me, just with the eye test, he leads the team and might lead the world in 395 foot outs this year. It feels like that. So I said to him as he came off the field after BP, I said, do you know where your hard hit and your exit velocity numbers are? Like your underlying stat cast type of stuff. He said a few weeks ago, somebody told me they were pretty good. And I said, they're actually more than pretty good. They're top 15 in baseball. He is top 15 in baseball in hard hit percentage and average exit velocity. Now, that swing and miss is still swing and miss, right? I'm just talking about when he makes contact. And he kind of smiled, and he said, that makes me feel good. Like, And he didn't say trust the process, but that's what he was talking about. Like, I don't need to change anything. Mm-hmm. If I keep doing what I'm doing, things are going to turn around, and my luck is going to balance out a little bit. And I asked him about the two years, Kevin, in Oakland, his 18 and 19, his best years. And he said, it's funny, the overall numbers are good, but I had my ups and downs those years too. He said, but I think I'm further along as a player and in life. Like, he's just a little older and wiser. And he said, I can ride the highs and lows better. So even when he was having his lows earlier this year, he was okay mentally. And he did the process. So in terms of turning a corner, um, He's kind of in the, he's telling me he's in the same place. He's doing the same thing. And, you know, the results have just been a little bit better. I haven't looked at his swing and miss rate specifically to see if that's down, but he's so big and strong. If he makes a decent amount of contact, 
a bunch of them are going to go out. And, and so I, I don't notice anything, any huge change for him mentally or mechanically. I, I think the baseball gods are starting to smile on him just a little bit more. Yeah, I think he's, uh, I mean, I, I've, I've always said with Matt Chapman, I just give me that defense, hit some doubles, and hit 20 to 30 home runs, and I'm, I'm happy. Dan, Dan I could just, rem- I could just remember when I got traded from the Brewers to San Diego, <laughs> when I went to San Diego, even though it was the minor leagues, I tried to press. I wanted to yes. show everybody that I was good, yes. like I wanted to show my teammates, even though it was AAA, that I was good, I was a good player. I see a little of that. He, he's, he's a trier, and trier yes. not always succeeds at the big league level. Yes. He did. So we did talk about that. He brought it up. I didn't ask him that. He did say, you know, when I got traded over here, I wanted to show them so badly that they made a good move by getting me, which is exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, he's stepping into a major role on a team that wants to win the World Series. It's not like he's, you know, just along for the ride. He's a dude here, right? He's got to be a guy. And, and, and I think... He didn't say I was pressing, but he did convey to me with those words exactly what you just said right now, Kevin. Now, whether that manifested itself in what you saw at the plate or what he was doing at the plate, that's beyond my uh, my level of of, uh, of expertise. And you're right. He is a trier. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure he's relaxed a little bit more. And as you know, baseball is a try-easier sport, not a try-harder sport most of the time. So, um, But I do know this, too, from calling virtually every at-bat, uh, man, he hit a lot of 390-foot fly balls mm-hmm. like he did. And, and, you know, sometimes it's if you pull it three more degrees, it's going out <laughs> instead of being caught on the warning track. And you can't control that, right? Realistically, how much um, can you control that? So um, I think he's in a really good place right now. And the best news is the wrist is okay. Like, you, you know, wrist, uh, obviously, a wrist is so important for hitting. And he missed three games, and he's come back looking great. Dan, if you if, – if you – could sit down Ross and and the brain trust this team and ask them point blank is the AL East title done what do you think they'd say like are the Yankees going to are, are you is this now a matter of trying to have the best playoff position you possibly can winning as many games as you can and just forgetting about the Yankees what do you think they'd say I, I think they would say no now but you know they're playing them three more times this weekend and and what are they out now? Nine, nine and a yeah. half, something like that, I think. So, you know, let's say they go into tomorrow the same. They could come out at six or they could come out at 12. Right. Um, even even if they came out at 12, I, I don't think they would ever say that publicly. I think you'd have to give them some really, mm-hmm. really potent, really potent truth serum if you wanted to get that answer uh, out of them. But it is an interesting thing, and it's something I've been thinking about with respect to Kikuchi, oddly enough. Uh, let's say they can't catch the Yankees, but let's say they're a virtual lock for a playoff spot. Kikuchi's not a guy probably who's on a playoff roster, given the way things are now. Right. And before everybody starts yelling and screaming, I know it's June. We're just talking. We're just having yeah, fun. We're just but you, you, you're, you're spitballing. You know what I'm saying. So do you go out and get a fifth starter if you already think your team is really good and is going to make the playoffs, when that guy probably doesn't help you in the playoffs. And we've seen teams in the past, some of them say that we need a guy to get us to the playoffs, and then some of them say we need a guy to help us win in the playoffs. And um, if this team feels they're one of the six best in the league, and I think they do, and I think they are, you know, they might not need that guy to get them to the playoffs. They might need more of a specialist 
to help them win in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And that could be a relief pitcher or a position player. That could be something different than a quote-unquote fifth starter. So that's why, as much as we'd all like to see them go out and make a deal yesterday, it's still pretty early to me. I don't think we're going to see anything in the next few weeks unless they find a deal they like for a relief pitcher, which I'm all in favor of. I think they could, you know, we've all talked about more swing and miss stuff and that uh, I think that could help them. Here's the other crazy thing. If you finish with the best wild card record, you're say you're the Blue Jays, you might host the Rays. And then if you win, you might go play. You're going to go play the Yankees as it currently stands. Right. If you finish with the worst wild card record, you're going to go to Minnesota as it currently stands and then go play the Astros. And this is why I don't like the playoff format. This happens in the NHL. It happens in the NBA. If you have two great teams in the same division, like the Dodgers and Giants last year, they shouldn't meet in the second round. I don't care if one of them didn't win their division. If you want to say the three division winners get into the playoffs, great. But once it's in the playoffs, I don't want a 103-win team playing a 102-win team in a division series like the Dodgers and Giants, whatever the win totals were last year. So I, I think the three division winners and three wildcard winners get in, great. But then I think the, the division winner should lose its advantage. I, I think an 87-win Central Division winner should not get more consideration than a 97-win East Division wildcard team. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm a big fan of reseeding, and you just go by record. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, to me, yeah. that's a no-brainer. Yeah, and, and that factors in, I think, too. Uh, the, the playoff format can factor into the decisions you make when you're trying to make trades. Yes. So back to the Yankees, it's going to be obviously a very exciting, fun weekend. And, and I think we'll know a lot more about where the Blue Jays stand relative to the Yankees uh, four or five days from now. Dan, really good of you to do this. <clears throat> Pardon me. Have a good call tonight. Great stuff. Thanks, Thank Dan. you. Okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. It's Dan Schulman, uh, our Blue Jays voice on Sportsnet. And again, 307 is the first pitch on Sportsnet 590, the fan. And uh, on the TV side on Sportsnet, the Jays and Orioles wrapping up their four-game series. And, yeah, I mean, as usual, um, you know, everything Dan says, I'm, I'm kind of right, I'm, I'm right there with him. Um, that that the, the playoff roster equation is interesting because this is one of the reasons that I think you, if, if you're the Blue Jays, you, you need to be a little careful. Uh, it would be great to have a better fourth starter than Ross Stripling. It would be great to have a better fifth starter than you say Kikuchi. But I've only got so many things I'm willing to trade. Like I've got a bundle of things here in my left hand that I'm willing to trade. And I don't know if I want to take anything out of that bundle to bring in somebody who may not be making the roster for me, the, the, the playoff roster. Because, you know, unless it's different, obviously, if the Jays hit the skids here and, and, and they need to do something to, by the time the trade deadline rolls on mm-hmm. to get into the playoffs, then I think you have to be more aggressive. But, but that's, that's why I, I, keep getting back, I keep getting back to the bullpen. You should be able to address your bullpen needs without having to give up a whole bunch of stuff. And you know, if you bring that guy in and that guy helps you, he is going on your postseason roster. 
So to me, there's more of a value adding a guy who is going to help me in the playoffs than a guy who is going to improve me in an area but may not make my roster. Uh, uh, okay, I'm going to be on the flip side of that. That's a great point that Dan made. I'll be on the flip side of that. Say your fourth starter gives you five innings. Your fifth starter gives you three and a third. That's not a lot of innings. That's destroying your bullpen. You, again, this gets back to September. You think your team's as good as we all think the Blue Jays are, and they're going to make the playoffs. You want your bullpen, however that's pieced together. Okay, well, forget about naming names because it's going to change soon. There's going to be names added to that. I think we know that. But you don't want to destroy those names because the fourth and fifth guy, you have to use so many of them those yeah. two days that when you do get in the playoffs or the end of September, they're so worn out, you're not going to get the best of them. That, for me, is there's a fine line there, and you got to figure that part of it out. There, there's, there, I'm okay with that. You don't want to bring in a fifth starter that you're probably not going to use in big moments in the playoffs, but you don't want to kill what you got. That's the point here is. is you saw what it looked like at the beginning of the season, how much they had to use it, the bullpen. Look at it now. It's overused, not real good. A lot of the guys are the, just the quality of stuff that they're throwing. Trevor, they then, and really the important guys. Hard. The guys that Trevor Richards, guys that were logging a lot of important Innings and important situations for the team. How do you fix it? So you may have to do, whether you want to do it or not, you may have to do it anyway. You may have to go out and get a veteran guy who can eat up some innings, who can give you five-plus. If you say he's not getting it done, you're about winning, dude. Like you, You're going to either have to move him to the pen or you're skipping starts and pitching him against teams that aren't real good. How big is the start Sunday for him it's against big. the Yankees? It's big. Because Dan, Dan was right. You know, Charlie... I went back and when Dan was talking and went and read some of the comments from Charlie, that was for Charlie. That was pretty, you know, that's, that's kind of akin to a hockey coach coming out and saying, we just, yeah, we need, we needed a save made in a big game. That's exactly what, what it is. It's, it's, we needed, it's just not, it's not good. 30 year old pitcher. Who's a, Man, I'm not going to say afraid because that is a bad word, and I would never say no, that timid. You're, to, a big, to a big leaguer. Timid. But he just really don't want to throw it. Like he, he really don't want to throw He threw a 3-2 slider in the first inning to a dude hitting a buck 80. Really? Like you throw 97. You've done all this work between starts to throw as hard as you could possibly throw in the first inning. The, the pitching coach has brought it to your attention that you need to fix that, and you throw a dude a 3-2 slider. For me, that's just that has nothing to do with the pitching coach. That has nothing to do with Charlie. That has nothing, nothing to, do. to do with a young catcher behind the plate. That has everything to do with you. I say about that, I'm gonna roll back around to it. That comes back to that manning up part. Do you have it or don't you? Like it's American League East. I know the team you're facing. I don't care. Like we seen it against the Reds. I mean, he had a bad first inning and it destroyed the bullpen. Mm -hmm. We saw it against another bad team. Those are day games. You can tell the way he stretches. He just, for whatever reason, he looks different in day games than he does pitching in night games. And now you're seeing the first innings brought, brought to his attention that he needs to correct some things there. A pitching coach can't go out there and force you to throw a fastball. I mean, it's right. not it's not one thing of throwing it. It's one thing of locating and have trust in it that you can get somebody out the, with it. Yeah, the game you just against don't have it. The game against the Reds was that 37 pitch awful. first inning. It's awful. I miss the Reds. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, no, it's 
That, that part of it, his age, as long as he's been around, the all-star year that he had, well, at least the first half that he had last year, and now you're seeing the way he's looking. He's made adjustments. They were big ones, but he's he's far enough removed from those. That's not a big deal now. Now it's about the old good old number one. Stop messing around, Ricky. Give him the number one. You remember that movie? Yeah. Where's he? There's going to have to be one of those moments where he just says, okay, <laughs> the slider ain't working at this level. Like, it's just, when you throw it, they just ain't swinging at it because a lot of the times it's non-competitive. Can I locate outer third? Can I locate inner third? Can I elevate my Mrs. B competitive, non, not non-competitive until he gets there? I think that's what Charlie's saying. Well, it'll be interesting Sunday. Alec Manoa, Saturday. A bunch of big-time righties facing Yusei Kikuchi. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like, it's this is why it puts a lot more pressure on Alec Manoa to go deeper in games, and now you're you're almost forcing him to try and give you seven-plus innings. And there's going to be a time where he's as a stinker. Like, it's, it's going to be a time. I, I don't even know how we're going to talk about it because he's never had one. No. But hopefully it doesn't come against the Yankees and because of who's – Following him, yeah. Well, um, listen, I'm 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 with you, and uh, there certainly are decisions that that Ross and the front office have to make. And and the only thing I would, the only thing I would say is typically my response would be to be a little patient. But if if an issue is so apparent, and you're reasonably certain you don't have an answer internally. And if there was an answer internally to the bullpen, surely to God that person would be up here by now. No question. You know, go out and make the move and give your manager, strengthen your manager's hand ahead of, of, of important games. You know what? You may not catch the Yankees, but if you can push the Rays, if you can, if you can pick, you know, put the Rays two and a half games farther behind you and keep the Red Sox at bay, to me, to me it's worth it. To me, those wins, those wins are going to count when you get down to September and you're trying to figure out who finishes second, third, and fourth. In the division. Just, at, at, some, gonna, gonna, at, at some point, you need, to, you need to address the situation that's in front of you. And the situation in front of the Jays right now is the bullpen needs help, and they've got all the teams they need to beat coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, you need, Very simple. You, you need more horses in the stable. Very How simple. about that? Exactly. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. He will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 360, 590, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. First pitch this afternoon, the Jays and Orioles wrapping up their four-game series. Then the uh, Yankees come to town. <laughs> I don't know why you're so worried. The Jays got a good team. I'm not worried. I'm not worried at all. It's just that if you're a player and you've been working on some things, the Yankees will tell you if it's going to work or not. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, that's a good you're way gonna, to put it. You're going to figure out. You'll, 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 you'll get a read. You'll know. You're going to know whether that, you know. See, the thing is, I like. I, I mean, the Jays kind of know where they are. The Jays know where they are. They're they're a team that wants to go to the playoffs. They're a team that wants to win the World Series. 
And they're a team that probably looks at the Yankees right now and says, yeah, they're better than us, <laughs> to be honest, at this point. Well, they're not going to say that. But but it'd be interesting to see if Charlie, uh, we we saw we heard Brandon Hyde talk about it. It's when he's dealing with rookies, does he push push them in big spots? Well, would Charlie do that with his bullpen? Like those are certain times of year where, you know, you may massage certain guys through certain points of games to not push them to that whole different level to try and beat a, beat a team in, in certain parts of the season. Bringing Jeff Passan, MLB Insider, with ESPN. Mr. Passan, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we trust you're doing well. Um, look, the Yankees are awfully, uh, the Yankees are awfully good. They're, you know, they've got a nice lead atop the AL East, et cetera, et cetera. If, if the Yankees were, as we get closer to the trade, well, I'm not going to say close to the trade deadline. If the Yankees really do run away with this thing, like I'm talking about to a point where they've got a double-digit lead over uh, or a 12-and-a-half, 12-game lead over the, the Jays or who, whoever's in second place. Does that change the equation in general at the trade deadline for teams? Because, you know, I think we've all thought that the four teams in the AL East were probably going to go to the, the postseason. We may have changed our thinking when Boston got off the slow start, but things seem to be kind of going to, to back to normal now. Would, would that have any – would a team running away with a division in which other teams have a pretty good idea that they're going to make the playoffs change the equation at the trade deadline for teams? Or is it just a matter of we got to get better? I think there's a – there's almost a cognitive dissonance going on right now. The, the Jays are on a 97-win pace, Jeff. Yeah. And they're nine games back in their division – in the middle of June. It, yeah. It's it's just an absurd conceit, an absurd premise to start off with that you're playing the sort of baseball you haven't played since you were a championship contender, which the, the Jays certainly were back in the Bautista days. And uh, to see them this far back, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's daunting. And I, I think that the urgency that comes at the trade deadline is quite often spurred by divisional races, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you you look and you see, hey, I'm two, three games back. We can make that up over the next couple of months. Um, if the Jays are going to make something up, it's going to have to be moving from a 97 win pace to a 105 win pace. Yeah. And any any move that you make at this point is not to win the division. It's to put yourself in a good position and be hopeful that your starting pitching is going to carry you through those shorter playoff series and that, uh, you know, the, the vagaries of small sample are going to work in your favor as opposed to against you. That's the only thing that's going to stop the Yankees at this point. It's just small sample. It's just the fact that they're going to have to play five-game division series, seven-game uh, LCS seven-game World Series, and that a team that may not be as good as them is going to leverage the fact that small series are, you know, they're they're not coin flips, but they're pretty darn close. Jeff, with all these teams in the American League all needing the same thing, which is swing and miss out of out of the bullpen, do you think some things could happen sooner than later when it comes to trades? You know, it makes sense, Jeff, that a team would try and jump the market, right? Mm -hmm. But 
in in this, uh, you know, we have a we have a speaking of small samples, we have a one year sample of of showing this. A lot of teams' attention right now, just in terms of evaluation, is focused on the draft. Right. Um, and and the fact that the draft got moved back to to the All Star break. I, I think really cannibalizes a lot of the brain power that's being used in front offices. There are certainly some teams that are out there that know they're selling and are doing those internal calculations right now. But I, I think if you're a team right now and you have relievers, let's look at the Kansas City Royals, let's look at the Chicago Cubs, um, you, you could potentially throw Baltimore into there. They have uh, certainly a, a few good arms who have been overperforming this year. Those teams need to ask themselves a very simple question. Am I going to get more right now if I make a trade, or am I going to get more when uh, we get down to the August 2nd deadline, when it's coming close to 6 o'clock, and when teams are going to be desperate because they're worried that others are going to get better in their and I think the answer is unless you are blown away by an offer, you, what you need to do is compare in your head the offer that you're receiving now to the one that you believe you're going to receive at the trade deadline. And unless it is clearly as good, if not better than that one you think you're going to get when it's not cutting time, uh, I, I don't know why, if you're a team that has a relief pitcher, you would go and sell them off right now unless it's something as simple as we're worried about the injury risk and we want to mitigate that. You know, it's interesting hearing you talk about the the draft being moved back to to the All-Star break because I know there are people out there that are going to be saying, okay, why can't why can't an organization walk and chew gum at the same time? Yeah, the draft is important, but front offices are so big uh, you know, how could this possibly be a drain on your manpower? But it is. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm not second guessing you. I mean, you, you know, you'll have baseball people tell you that there's a, a time yeah. of the year where our focus. We have meetings, and we're focusing on the draft. And people do need to realize that that it's it's not just four scouts and the scouting director sitting around a table deciding who they're going to pick with the first pick. Is it? It's not that way anymore. No, I mean, I, listen, I know uh, a number of major league evaluators who have been put on draft stuff because the draft is exp- it's, it's exceptionally important. Um, it, all you have to do to know how important the draft is is to look at the Toronto Blue Jays roster right now in the way that it's constructed. Let, let's look at the guys uh, who have come up and been developed through the organization. Uh, Alec Manoa, draft guy. Bo Bichette, draft guy. Um, I mean, we can, we can go on and on about the number of, of impactful players who have been found through the draft. And if you don't hit on those high picks, you're not getting the value that you need to to be a successful and great organization. So uh, as much as we want to focus on this year, which is understandable. It's human nature. Like, what's right in front of me is what's of the greatest import right now. But when you do that, when you put too many of your resources to that coin flip to which I was referring earlier, uh, you know, that may have consequences four or five years down the road that you just don't see right now. And accordingly, the best teams out there are going to 
uh, put their resources and marshal them in, in the right way. And the right way is to give the draft as much time, energy, and effort and uh, manpower and brain power as you possibly can because that's the easiest pathway to organizational success. Uh, Jeff, do you think there's a, a surprise team like the Braves last year was a surprise team where they went out and made some trades around 500 or under 500? Do you think there's one of those teams this year that will come out of nowhere and make some big trades? Boy, I mean, there are a couple of options that I think uh, sort of align with the Braves. Um, The the Philadelphia Phillies uh, have been very, very up and down, right? Very, uh, they they have been consistently inconsistent. But there's enough high-end talent there where if you're Dave Dombrowski, you say to yourself, uh, we have a championship pedigree. We just need to get better in a few areas. I think the Chicago White Sox are very much the same way. They had championship aspirations this year. They've gotten off to a bad start. You guys are going to see them, I think, next week. And mm-hmm. uh, there, you know, there, there's been some rough patches there, and injuries really have hindered them to this point. So. Uh, I, I think those are two teams that uh, have the same M.O., where we believe that we can be good enough and maybe a little addition here or there is going to make all the difference. Because otherwise, there there are no – I mean, the, the Rangers, is this their year? No, probably not. The Angels, is this year their year? It, it doesn't look like it at this point. I mean, I th- what have they lost? 17 of 18 now? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know – it's been rough sledding there. And uh, then you look at a team like Boston and the way that they've played themselves back over 500. Uh, Boston is the most interesting to me because they're not selling, right? As long as they're in playoff contention, they're not going to sell. But if you're a fourth place team in your own division, if you're the last wild card slot in the American League and you potentially are looking at running into, uh, you know, a juggernaut in the division series. Are you really going to go out and spend that prospect capital you've worked so hard to accumulate? No, probably not. Last question uh, from me, Jeff. Uh, Hyunjin Ryu's season is done. Uh, We're waiting to get the details on what type of surgery will be required. I mean, there's quite frankly a chance he's pitched his last game for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, You know, I was asked about this in our morning show today about just sort of looking back at that contract and, and... sunk cost and things like this and and would that contract prohibit the jays from doing anything long term and and i don't think it would but my point was i think people need to realize the the impact in the industry or the message in the industry the jays sent out when they signed ryu the yep. fact that they were signing yep. a boris client that i mean that that sent out a message that I, I i think in the long run makes the contract still worthwhile i don't know how you feel about it but that's I, the way i look I'm, at it i'm a I'm 100% on board with you here. I think there's been this this long-held idea that going to Toronto is a problematic thing, not just because they haven't spent the money that they could have in the past, but because the travel is a pain and because it's uh, acclimating to uh, a different country and a different culture. And listen, this is not like going to the DR, Japan, or Korea or anything like that. I mean... Uh, you know, I'm I'm sorry to say this to Canadians who look uh, at us here in America and scoff and laugh, but we're we're a lot alike. Like the the cultures in in the countries are very similar. You guys are just much nicer and cleaner and have your politics in order better, sort of. For now. But 
Um, I, I think what Ryu did was open the eyes of other free agents out there who were saying to themselves, oh, the Blue Jays actually are a player. The Blue Jays actually are going to go out and spend money. The Blue Jays actually do want to compete for a championship. And so while it's impossible to put a dollar value on that, uh, I, I think what Ryu was was an indication to everybody else that, hey, uh, this thing is real and Toronto is going to be a player for years to come. And I know we're at the end here, so I just want to get this in. Um, Watching Gabby Moreno catch is one of my favorite things in baseball now. He he is so quick. Like there was there was a clip Ben Nicholson Smith was uh, put it out there on Twitter, and I had to watch it again and again just to see if this pop time that I was getting on my stopwatch was right. I mean he's he is already a week into his big league career. For my money, the single best catch and throw catcher in the big leagues. He is that good. Wow. Yeah, it, it's, I mean, the, and, and one of the things we've said with the whole discussion around Moreno is I, I'll take what he's going to give me offensively, whatever it is, out of the eighth spot. I, I, I view him as I want him to play good defense. I want him to frame, pr- frame pitches. I just don't want him to gum up the works. I want him to help make this team a better defensive team. And and that I what again whatever he gives me in terms of offense I'll I'll take it but I, I am with you you know I look at this team's defense now compared to where I thought this infield would be a couple of years ago it's remarkable what yeah. Matt Chapman has done for Bo Bichette and with the emergence of Espinal and yeah. Vladdy at first base and now the kid behind the plate it's one of the best infield defenses in baseball and it can get better yeah that's that's exactly right it can because I, listen. Uh, I don't know when Danny Jansen is back, what things are going to look like. Um, I don't know how much time Moreno is going to have, but uh, it feels like he's playing himself into a full-time role. And that's no disrespect to Danny Jansen. Um, that That's more respect for Gabby Moreno and what he is capable of doing back there. I mean, the transfer, the release, you know, he doesn't have, he's not throwing 85, 87, 88. He, he doesn't have this cannon of an arm, but the, the mechanics are so good mm-hmm. and so quick, it, he doesn't even need it. That, that would almost be showing off. I mean, JT Real Muto has, has held that title for a long time, and so perhaps it's a touch premature to, to be crowning Moreno as quickly as I have. But I, I'm sorry, catching Jorge Mateo, stealing a base, is an incredibly difficult thing to do. And he made it look easy. Yeah. Jeff, really good of you to do this as always, my friend. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Jeff. Same to you, boys. Take care. Happy Take Father's care. Day. <laughs> you too, man. That is Jeff Passan, uh, ESPN's MLB insider. Um, we'll shelve the uh, Barker's back league bits today because he ran up against the clock. But I wanted to, I, I know Jeff was, Jeff wanted to talk about uh, about Moreno and um, mm. I'm strong. Uh, I'm strong words. Yeah, but he, he's saying but you, you have to. Admit, those are strong. But you have to admit. I mean, uh, this team's infield defense again. Look at where it was when we were wondering what Vladdy was going to be at first base when you know Bo made those errors in that postseason mm-hmm. game, and we kind of didn't know what second base was going to be. Then Simeon addressed that, and then Simeon's gone. And you look at where this is now, where this team is defensively now. It's. Uh, uh, at least to the eye test, and I know some of the numbers back it up as well. But they're they're 
But both, They're far ahead of where I thought they'd be. has got something to prove. Vladdy has bought into playing first base and want to take that and run with it. Matt Chapman's, uh, you know, the second best defending third baseman in baseball. Uh, Santiago Espinal can hold his own and do all the things you need a second baseman to do in the shift and, he can go out and play the outfield. So yeah, their their defense is really good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm on the flip side of it. I do care if he hits. He's a top prospect. Like there there's there's one thing coming up and then holding your own defensively. They need length in their lineup. But, and if you if you're going to give him four days a week behind the plate, you've got to hit. So are you down in Adley Rushman already? Eighty four plate appearances, whatever it is, eighty six plate appearances. D- down, one home run. D- down's a strong word. Downs, I, I think it's a lot of room for improvement. That's what I think. Yeah. I, I think when you're when you're in the same name as the best, top, you know what? Something it, comes with that. I was once that. I know. I've I was. I was about to say. I see, know how it's it is. kind of counterintuitive because I was sitting there thinking that you of all people would be going, "Hey, believe me, I know what it's like to be that guy." Mm-hmm. Let's you know. Let's let's just. Hold our horses here with expectations. But you're the exact opposite. You you're expecting it. to see this right away. I'm not saying that's bad, but I'm saying when you start you're not to, a friend. You're, you're not uh, using kid not, gloves on this when guy. You, when you start struggling, you can hear rumblings in the clubhouse about, is he really that good? I've heard him. Anyhow. Uh, that is it for us. We will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, wherever you get your favorite podcasts, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. 307 first pitch today, tomorrow night, first of three against the Yankees. Let's see what the standings look like when the Yankees come into town. They've got another game against Tampa Bay. Um, It's going to be a big weekend of baseball. Hopefully the weather holds up, the roof is open, everything's good, and uh, we get to see some good baseball. But we'll be back tomorrow. Have yourself a great day.